This is episode 141 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks so much for joining me today. Entrepreneurs who become dads or dads who become entrepreneurs often run into role challenges, but there often doesn't seem to be much room to talk about those challenges. This is especially the case when fathers decide to be the primary caregiver for their children while their partners go to traditional modes of work. In today's episode, Mike Bruni and Jeremy Miller join me to discuss some of the challenges and realizations they've had while learning to balance entrepreneurship and stay-at-home fatherhood. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Okay, Creative Giants, I'm excited to introduce you to Jeremy Miller and Mike Bruni. Let's start with Jeremy first. To provide my family with the security we need to have amazing adventures together. This is Jeremy's big why. Jeremy, Ashley, and their son Finn base all of their amazing adventures out of their home in Rosslyn, British Columbia. When Jeremy started his business, he knew he couldn't take the big money risk that many business owners do, so he focused from day one on building a sustainable and financially secure business that would support his family and keep everyone safe. Now, after seven years of being in business and testing his money management ideas out on himself, Jeremy wants to support you in creating the money habits and solutions you need to build and grow a sustainable and financially secure business. All right, over to Mike Bruni. Mike Ambassador Bruni creates projects that help individuals and organizations network better and build stronger communities. Recently, he has been focusing on working with introverts as they prepare for networking at conferences. He is the author of Move the Crowd, 30 Days of Hip-Hop Affirmations to Change Your Life, as well as a speaker and certified life coach. You can find his content in places like Forbes.com, Social Media Examiner, and BlackEnterprise.com. He also serves as a digital content manager for Babson College's Executive Education Division and is a proud member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Let's jump right into the show. Hello, Creative Giants. Thanks for joining me today. I'm pulling Mike and Jeremy on because they're collaborators. They are um, clients. They, you know, they, they write and produce stuff sometimes on Productive Flourishing as well. And they both, in different conversations, have mentioned some of the challenges of being a dad, of being an entrepreneur, of being a hyper-creative person, and also juggling multiple different projects. And um, I wanted to bring them on because I've had these conversations one-on-one with a lot of dads. And I don't think there's enough of a conversation happening about the journey new dads go through, especially when they're creatives, when they're entrepreneurs, and when they want to be intentional with how they're being involved with their kids at the same time that they're wanting to do other things creatively on the career side. So bringing them both on, they both graciously agreed to have this conversation. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Give us a little bit of the insight to what's going on in your life and, and really what's going on. Well, right now I am much, well, as I've been for much of my life, a side hustler. So I have a full-time gig and I actually just started an MBA as well, part-time MBA. Uh, I am a father, as Charlie mentioned, to a new, um, a new three-year-old. He just turned three the other day. Um, so backtracking a little bit, I was working at Intel as a manager. Um, the place I was working shut down and 
my son was born, <laughs> Emerson. So, uh, you know, I, I did anything I could to pull on relationships and, and start working on projects. And immediately, actually, I, I noticed that there was this thing about being a dad. And it happened at the hospital. Uh, we went to a session for mommy, if you will. And I asked, hey, where's the session for the dads? And the lady, the nurse was like, when you carry a baby for nine months, then there'll be a session for you. So right there, I knew that there was this thing, like this divide um, that really said like dads, I said like dads don't count. And for the past uh, two years, when from zero to two, I was home with my son Emerson, helping raise him and taking him to the mommy groups and, and all those things. Uh, so th there was a struggle of cash flow, of raising um, a child, of um, kind of how much do I share with people uh, about, about parenting and how difficult it is to balance different things. So that's the overall story for me. I'll stop there and let you kind of prompt things as we, as we go along. I'm actually going to turn it over to Jeremy and, and we'll go from there because I'll pull that back up because that's an important point. All right. There are many important points there. So go. Uh, yeah, so uh, I am a dad to a nine-year-old uh, son, uh, Finn, and uh, I think similar to to Mike, when Finn was born, I don't think I really understood how it was going to change my perspective on life. Um, all of a sudden, you know, when you're in your twenties and you're you're out doing things and you see these people that can't stop talking about their kids and everything they do is for their kids and they're canceling events to go do stuff with their kids. You're thinking they're really lame. And as you get older and you have your own kids, all of a sudden you realize that it really is and does become about your kid or kids. Uh, I was lucky and my wife was unlucky, I guess, in that our son came early and she didn't get her milk in. And so uh, Finn was, was fed from a bottle from day one on formula. And so I actually got the experience that a lot of dads don't get right at the beginning of their child's life and that I got to get up and do the feedings when Ashley was tired or in the mornings or throughout the day. Uh, I was working as a casual teacher. We had just moved. I didn't have a contract yet. So I was similar to Mike. I was home for the first, uh, you know, more home than normal for the first three years of Finn's life. Uh, and then we kind of fell in love with that experience, which is when I started my business and started working from home and uh, Ashley went back to work full-time as a teacher instead of me doing the full-time job as a teacher. And so at that time, and since then, uh, I've been a mix of uh, entrepreneur and dad. Uh, and that's kind of where we are today. Um, yeah, I can talk, maybe I'll talk a bit more about that later, but I'll stop there as well. Good, good. So what I want to start is, where I want to start with is the, the managing of different aspects and roles from your life, right? And so you've got the entrepreneur, you've got the job, you've got the side hustle, and you've also got, you know, in my language, this is a big project, i.e. your kid, right? That, that needs tending and that you want to tend to in different ways. And I believe... Um, and, and I'll let you speak to both of your experiences because I've not had it, right? I believe part of the challenge is with that traditional um, doing work that makes money versus doing work that supports, you know, the family indirectly, non-economically, right? And I think still in our society, we've biased 
the male journey to be focused on making the money and our identity is attached to that. But here we are, like when we're tending to, when we're, when we're the primary caregiver for our kids or we're spending a lot of time with that. On the one hand, I think what people have shared with me is this is exactly what I want to do, i.e. this being be there with my kid. At the same time, I feel a lot of tension and struggle with not bringing home the, you know, bringing home the baking and, and winning, you know, winning the bread and all those types of things. So um, how has that experience been for you? Like, does that resonate or um, talk to me a little bit more about that? It, uh, it very does, you know, it very much uh, resonates uh, with me as far as roles and what's supposed to happen. And, and you know, one of the things that uh, Jeremy brought up was, you know, it's a home more than normal. And, and that just like, that triggered me, right? I was like, ah, oh, normal, darn it. Because that was a big thing for me. Um, he is, there's a way things are supposed to be. And, you know, sometimes in my house, the Bible will get pulled out. And there's things in there that point to, the role of a man, you know, so I've been talking to Jesus. Um, I haven't got anything changed yet, but we're working on it. Um, you know, but in a lot of cases, that's, that's what the quote unquote expectation is. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I'm trying to see if I can dig a little bit deeper and, and, uh, and a little bit more personally, um, just, I mean, definitely my wife and I have had heated conversations about that because I'd say she's much more of a traditionalist in terms of roles and um, bringing bacon and, and, and bread and, 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 and all those, uh, those type of things. Um, so it was a difficult, difficult two years of, you know, struggling and, and, and putting, um, pro- putting projects together and, and, and yeah, you could bring up the argument as I have that we're saving money on daycare, but there's still that role revo- reversal that's expected. Well, I should be home. And this is just my case, of course. I should be home saving money on daycare and you should be out there. Um, so that, that, that was a big thing that I, uh, you know, I went through. And um, for me, there, there's a little bit that feels like, oh, somehow I made it through because I could see someone really getting um, broken because of things like this because it's the thing of like the start of be a man and and what's put behind it Oof! if you let that get to you i mean i could see depression i could see any other kind of uh you know medical thing coming into play because you're looking at hey i'm not doing this thing and that also ties into what what overall we look at as success as well so that's my story yeah, I think I can answer the the question easiest with what I call my shame number, which is $4,960. And that is the amount that Ashley makes every month as a teacher. And I make less than that. <laughs> uh, and as much as I feel I am a modern day gender equality kind of guy, uh, sometimes the fact that she makes more money than me is crushing. Uh, it, it makes me, you know, it makes it tough for me to talk to her about it makes it tough sometimes to talk to others about, or it used to, I'm, I'm much better at it now, uh, considering I'm talking about it right now. Uh, but that, that fact, that simple fact that she makes more than I do, 
has a huge impact on not just how I view myself as a man or how I talk about myself at parties, uh, but also the risks I take in my business. You know, I, I feel like as I try to grow new things in my business, I have to keep other parts of it because I can't make any less. I can't have that gap between her money and my money grow. Even if I did that for a while and the other thing ended up being super successful and eventually I surpassed her, I can't risk making that gap get any bigger. Uh, and, and the crazy part is, and I know Mike said he talks with his wife as well, is every year, right before summer vacation, my wife and I sit down and I say, Ashley, for the upcoming year, more time or more money? And what I'm asking her is from me, and does our family want more time as a family or for me to make more money? And every year she responds more time. And so even though I know she's okay with the difference in our income and, and that she wants me to be around more instead of work more, on the bad days, I cannot get my mind around the fact uh, that she makes more than I do. Yeah, that's powerful stuff, man. That's, that's, um, that's powerful stuff. And what I wanted to just pull out real quick is um, Jeremy and his business helps people develop good money habits. And so his very precise number of $4,960, I believe, right, is, is, yes. is, both, is both him being specific of the pain, but also just part of what he does. And so I'm hyper aware of that. Um, you know, Mike, as, as he was talking, I saw some resonance or some different things popping up for you. And so, so I'm just curious about what was going on for you? Uh, well, for, for me, one thing that came up was your time versus money. All I heard was both. <laughs> That's all I heard. <laughs> both. You know, and, it's, and I look at it as, um, uh, yeah, I am. I am of all the what? What's the word I learned from Charlie? Is polymath, I think. And you know, I'm a certified coach and a whole bunch of other things. And uh, so I use language like the gremlin, or if I go back to my high school football days, my coach used to say, "The little man on your shoulder, the little man on your shoulder that's whispering in your ears." And, and um, I have a little man, or maybe it's a woman, on my shoulder <laughs> that 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 loves the word how like always trying to figure out how, how. So the question of like, Hey, you want more time or money? It's still like, how my brain is like on how, man, I haven't figured that out. How, 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 and, and, um, I mean, that's probably part of my journey right now and, and why, why I'm doing a part-time MBA at an uh, entrepreneurial school is, is in search of that, of that how, and still knowing that I can't take that risk you know, the how is like, oh, I'm going to figure it out in some kind of slow sideway. It's not going to be I'm quitting because I figured everything out kind of way. So that's what was coming up for me is how and then also um, both the, the, the genius of Anne. Well, the trick becomes that as you're both building your businesses and your side hustle, um, the reality is you're doing it on less time than your entrepreneurial peers across, you know, sexuality and gender, right? Um, you're just working at halftime or you're working at quarter time. And I think that feeds into this sort of thing. Like I'm working my butt off as best as I can and I'm not where I need to be. And it, it sort of um, can create this scenario. I've, I've heard from other, from other men who are creative giants as well. It creates a scenario 
such that um, you're not you're, you're at the point to where in some ways like just getting a job and going out and like earning it would make it a lot easier but you know that's not the right path for you but you also would give up this quality time with your family with your kids um, and, and being that part so it creates this tension right you, you're not moving as fast so you can't show the points on the board that you might otherwise show <laughs> right um jeremy I'll, something's coming up for you so i'll let you talk about that yeah i think it's uh, <clears throat> uh and it, it comes down to how and i'm not saying that this doesn't happen to moms i can only just speak as a dad or to other people who aren't parents but so i have to measure i don't have to in my head, I have to measure myself as husband, dad, uh, provider. And then I have this extra level where I have to, or I feel sometimes I have to compare myself to the, the version of success that we see all around us on the internet, which we all know is some of those people's final story. And we shouldn't be comparing our beginning or mid story or side hustle to their final story, but we do. And so, like you said, even though a lot of times I know I'm doing all this great stuff as a dad, I'm doing as much as I can as uh, a, a business owner and as a creative, sometimes you sit there and go, why is writing this ebook taking two months? Why is creating and recording videos for this course not done already? Uh, and like you said, Charlie, it's, it's not realizing how limited our time is. Uh, on one of your momentum calls this year, well, I guess it was last year, um, I don't know if you remember, but I had this aha moment where I realized that when I started my business, Ashley was staying home full-time with Finn. So I was an entrepreneur and a dad. And so I had a lot of time to build that business, and I was actually making quite a bit of money back then because I could focus it. And over time, as Ashley went back to work and I became the primary caregiver, I didn't realize it for a long time. I pivoted into dad entrepreneur. And the time difference of that is massive. And I didn't change my expectations. So now I have expectations to be a good dad, expectations to be a good husband, expectations to be a provider, and expectations to build a business at an appropriate pace. And I'm not taking any of the realities into the time I have to do all of those things. And, and so that was that, that realization that I changed from entrepreneur dad to dad entrepreneur has been huge. Yeah. Huge. I remember that call. Um, I remember the email that followed, which is part of what seeded this conversation. Right. Um, so I want to pause here and I'll make sure to say it in the beginning of the show notes. We're using what language and expectations that can seem to be very heteronormative, like like men do one thing and women do another, right? We understand there's a spectrum and there are different mm -hmm. expectations and, and responsibilities that are negotiated across relationships, right? Um, and the reality is also many um, cisgender men feel this particular journey, the, the weight of responsibility of breadwinning and so on and so forth with the tension of the role reversals that we're talking about. And just wanted to slide that in there in case that was going on for some people. We recognize there's a spectrum, but this is the experience of, of these two men who are feeling this particular way for a lot of different reasons. Something I wanted to pull out is that 
Um, you all know that I do not have kids. It's not going, it's probably not going to be part of the journey that Angela and I are on, but we still talk about it. Right. And we still mm-hmm. talk about it. Like what would our life be like? And not in a way like we wish it were there, but like we're trying to understand other people's journeys that are not our own. Right. And I've had to be honest many times where like, I, I don't know that I could be the primary caregiver at home. Like I don't know emotionally, like if that would be my jam. Right. Um, and it's independent in some ways of whether what Angela might be earning at that time. Right. It's because it's more of like, it's, and I, I know that as you go through that journey from not dad to dad, priorities change and shift. Right. And um, I've seen this from both moms and dads and, and people across the spectrum that one of the things that they struggle with is the, the way in which child rearing um, minimizes, constrains, um, or affects their creative cycles and what they're able to do and what they're able to create in the world and at the rate they're able to do it because time, energy, attention, and fears, right? As Jeremy mentioned earlier, it constrains the amount of fear or the amount of choices that he might make. Um, because <clears throat> when you're single and young, yeah, you can fail big, right? <laughs> when you're not single and you're not young and you've got kids, failing big um, feels different. Feels different. So, um, where I was going with this is um, wondering how you've been processing that feeling that, um, yes, I know cognitively that I'm doing the right thing as far as being either the primary caregiver or being so involved. At the same time, emotionally, internally, something is off with this choice. Like, how have you worked through that? Mike, I'm going to turn that over to you. It's interesting because for some reason, I feel like uh, you talk about, hey, what would it be like? And it feels like everything that I've done has kind of led up to this mm-hmm. point. You know, I'm not in my, I didn't have kids when I was in my 20s. Um, and being an operations manager, felt like it was made for me to have a kid because I'd look at something, I'd look at a problem and I'd be like, okay, what's, what's going on? I wouldn't get crazy, but okay, what's going on? All right. We need a B and C in order to fix this explosion of a diaper. All right. How do we prevent this from ever happening again? So my lean manufacturing and continuous improvement kicks in. Um, so that, that comes in. And then there's also this thing about being a teacher that I just realized as they get older and it can happen as soon as they're born, but you're just talking to them. Here's someone who's so new. You're talking about every little thing and finding ways to explain that. Uh, as far as being creative and doing things, you know, I have my how, which is kind of a different story, but overall with things I've had to get done, I found now it's about like smaller times. It's learning that I can use my phone to get a whole bunch of stuff drafted, you know, while while um, Emerson is napping or while he um, is in the process of going to bed, but we're not in the room, you know, we're sitting outside his room so he can fall asleep and I'm on my phone and I'm drafting stuff. So it becomes these little pieces of, uh, of, uh, of opportunities and really looking at what scheduling looks like. Uh, I consider myself an early bird. So, you know, that, that helps <laughs> to, to, uh, to get up and, and, and for me to, to, to get some different things um, 
done there. Um, so I haven't, I haven't, at least I don't think that I, I, I've um, had that, that kind of, that kind of struggle. I, I think there's something else for me going on more around feeling like, damn it, I haven't figured out what my thing is that would sustain my family. That's probably mm-hmm. more of my struggle and, and, and feeling like, uh Oh, well, I got to do some kind of full-time work. So I got to figure out how I can align who I am with my work and align who I am with my work. And at the same time, what do I do with this entrepreneurial? And when I say entrepreneurial, that's outside of being entrepreneur because at work, you know, I still think like an entrepreneur. I still act like an entrepreneur. But looking at, am I going to build something? And where does that risk come in? You know, like I can't say I'm going to quit and you're using the word can't, but I can't say I'm going to quit so I can start something. It's like, all right, I got to start something <laughs> and it's got to do better than anything else that I've ever done. I've really got to be able to see the path. So that's probably more where my, my struggle is, is darn it, what is going to be my thing? Don't ask me why I need a thing, right? <laughs> why do I need a thing? Uh, but yeah. You, you headed me off at the pass with the, with the don't ask me why I don't need a thing or why I need a thing. But you know, yeah, that, that would be the place for exploration there, I think. But um, Jeremy, what on, on your side of the coin, what's coming up there? I think for me, that conflict between creativity and the time with my, my son, I think that the thing that helped me is when I realized that uh, I need to compartmentalize those two different roles and not let them mix. Because when I let them mix, I don't do either very well. So if I'm, uh, you know, with Finn and we're hanging out and, and doing something together, my phone has to be away. I can't be like sneaking in emails or sneaking in anything like that. But when he's gone to school uh, and, and I'm working, I need to be working. And so I try not to work on weekends. I try not to work uh, at whole, you know, nights between the time he gets home from school and the time he goes to bed. Uh, because I find if I do try and work there during those times, I either end up getting burnt out as an entrepreneur and not doing a very good job there or burnt out as a dad or a husband and not doing a good job there. So I've had to create really strong boundaries, uh, you know, and, and tell clients, you know, I'm sorry, you sent that email Friday at three o'clock. I pick Finn up at two thirty on Fridays and I drop him off at school at eight thirty on Monday. And the reason you didn't get a reply is because you missed my business window and now I'm family window. Uh, And when I don't do that is when what you're taught, that conflict between my different roles starts to really bang around. But if I can keep those boundaries, uh, everything's a bit more, more peaceful on the multi task front, I guess. So we just wanted to call out, different ways work for different dads, right? And I know that's obvious. And we also talking about kids at different stages of the life cycle, right? Emerson's two, Finn is nine, right? And so there might be different ways where, where what Mike was doing may have worked with Jeremy when, you know, but there are different stages and different people. And so again, not trying to normalize any experience. In fact, we're trying the opposite of that. And Charlie, I think that's what makes this conversation so difficult is one I think when I, of the, the political correctness side of this makes it a very tough conversation to have, right? Of the male entrepreneurs I know, they don't really want to talk about this necessarily. But then when you do talk about it, 
you do as a dad realize that it's different for other dads. It's different for people without kids. And you don't want to say anything that gives somebody else a should or a must or a have to. You're talking about your experience, your shame or your guilt or how you deal with it. And it's kind of like we need this, this overall rider that says everything I say, you know, works for me and for my family. I am not suggesting that you have to do it this way. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm so glad you said that because as we were talking um, before, we had, before we hit record, um, I was thinking about this conversation and I'm like, so here, here, here I am, I'm not a dad, don't have mm-hmm. kids, right? At, at the same time that I'm aware of the deluge of information telling parents of both or all, you know, varieties, here's what you should do. Here's what it means to raise your kid a certain way and here's what's wrong and so on and so forth. And relationships are way more complex than that. There's a relationship with you and your partner. There's a relationship with you and your kid. There's a relationship with you and your work. There's a relationship with you and your family. And each one of those are negotiated or at least can be negotiated in ways that fit that broader um, context and structure. And so it seems like every way of doing this is going to be a little bit different at the same time, given um, given the, the, the strains of our culture, I think certain people are going to show up with certain, co- certain common challenges, right? right. Um, certain common challenges just based upon the way we were raised, you know, 30, 35, 40 years ago, right? Um, and those remain. And at the same time that this new, this new period, you know, I've, I've talked to different people about this sort of modern journey that we're on. And on the one hand, we know we can't be like our fathers and grandfathers, right? It just can't, right? Choose not to. That's not the type of people we want to be in the world. And we're still figuring out very much what it means to be the type of people we want to be in the world today. Um, but we're carrying that baggage that we were raised with, that our society is raised with. And then that's where I think at two o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the afternoon, that's where some of the tensions come up, right? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, just this whole direction we've gone into, it's, it's interesting because I think as dads or even as, as men or whoever in this time period with a different way that we're processing all of this, another thing that hurts is when you realize that you're talking to your kid or maybe you're talking to a team member if you don't have kids in a way that your parent talked to you that you know is shaming or guilt causing or not the way that you want to parent or be a leader, but those old, you know, those old things, you know, I'll say something to Finn in the heat of the moment because I'm tired or whatever and go, man, I just, I just did exactly what I didn't want to do in that situation. And I've read all the books. I know I'm not supposed to do that. (laughs) Right. I I know from Brené Brown and, and all these other people that I shouldn't have said what I just said, but it still comes out sometimes. And, and whether you're a dad or a leader, whatever you are in your business, you know, I, and it's easy for me to say, but we have to be gentler with ourselves when those, those past influences show themselves. I'm so, I'm so trying to work on um, uh, saying I'm sorry, even, you know, to a three-year-old. So I try very hard to have real conversations with a three-year-old, <laughs> just, just not knowing how much he's taking in, but knowing yeah. if I act in a certain way and, you know, this hasn't come up yet, but I mean, uh, my background, I'm, I'm from, I'm a Haitian American. I mean, Caribbean, 
we we, we whooped some butt, you know, <laughs> like that's what that's that's how. So if if something happens, I try my best to go and talk to him. You know, if uh, you know, I acted a certain way, I really didn't want to. It feels funny. I try and talk to Emerson, just say, "Hey, I'm sorry, I was upset," um, and and all the things that uh, I don't know if they're more new age, but just trying to stay away from bad boy you know you're mm-hmm. a bad boy you know you did something that was that wasn't so good you did something that was bad um what am i i'm reading right now mindset um by carol dweck and can't wait to the, get to the section about kids because it's talking about uh, kind of a finite mindset versus a, a growth mindset and calling kids smart versus focusing on work so i'm trying to uh, put all those different languages in place and, and use like practice you know i'm going to practice i'm not necessarily going to work so so he's somehow he, he starts to see that it's about effort it's not about just i got it right i got it right i got it right but effort leads to things to something happening and effort is going to be the thing that um i'm hoping that we we value more and we cherish more um in in, in this case and the big thing that just jumps out from what you just said there make is all of that is entirely true with me too when I'm talking with Finn, but I bet you we both struggle to have that same conversation with ourselves as we're dealing with all this stuff that's going on. I'm glad you pointed that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that one out because yeah, it's, it's so, um, I, I think one of the transformational questions we can ask ourselves, you don't necessarily have to hire a coach for this, but in this moment, how would I treat someone I love if this same thing were going on? If they felt this thing, if they experienced life this way, how would I treat them? And how, or, or why will I not treat myself with that same compassion and kindness? And, you know, because that's what we do. We get super critical on yourself. Now, you know, I was having a conversation with Angela where we had a really banner week last week. We got a lot of stuff done. And, you know, both of you gents know me very well. Like it's, it's very often that I say, like, I'm really proud of last week. I'm really proud of what I did last week. And I was saying to her, I was like, you know, I'm like, this was a really bad week. I'm really proud of, of what we put out in, in the work last week. And as I was saying that, I was like, what is it? Why, why is it that with everything that I do, there are these really extreme moments. And for those extreme moments, I say, I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. But when it's these everyday awesome moments that, that are just part of the blessing of my life. I'm like, ah, I could have done more. I could have blah, blah, blah. I'm like this whole story. If it's for someone else, I'd be like, man, that was awesome. What you just did. I'm so proud of what you just did. But when it's me, not so much. Right. And I think it's just yeah. one of those things where we're figuring out as we go. Yeah. And- it's potential, you know, what you kind of the bar you set for yourself, the potential, I knew I could have done this or it's, um, you know, when you mentioned that being proud, there's probably, there's really like one speech that I think about where I was like, yeah, like <laughs> only one out of 10 years of being a public speaker. <laughs> there's like only one time that I really remember finishing that laying down in the bed and like, yeah, that was awesome. And that's like WDS. It was a two minute speech, <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> two minutes which was the hardest one i've ever had to give two minutes um but yeah more more gratitude towards our towards ourself you know towards towards ourself uh the conversation also makes me think about the space space we create uh to have those kind of conversations because we're aware of the stuff now is creating the space where we can have and potentially have questions that already exist 
that we come into that ask, all right, what, what, what tiny thing did you do this week? You know, because, because it feels tiny to you, but the people in the space will probably see it a little bit different. Um, the moment that I remember most, uh, or what's most recent is, um, so I was preparing for, for, for starting my MBA and I had to do a, a quantitative, a quantitative assessment. Oh my God. I finished those three exams and I was like, I don't think I should start my MBA. <laughs> I, was like, I don't think I should start my MBA. I just started going down the wrong path. But thankfully I was reading that book and I was reading mindset and, and it reminded me that I am about to learn. It wasn't about that. I knew I'm about to step into learning. I don't know this stuff yet. So I think it is about creating the space for, I don't know the right word, but just kind of space where we can, we can, um, we can be seen almost, you know, we can be seen. We can not be in a way, right? Because that growth space is one where, you, where you're where you addressing the possibility of what may mm-hmm. be, right? Rather than, and the potential of what may be, rather than what is, right? And I think that space is a space of unknowing. It's a space of incompetence, which um, sociologically speaking, men are like, I know I, I, I must be competent, right? right. And Brene yeah. brings this up in her work as well, right? Competence is the trigger, right? But in that space to where, you can not be competent where you can not be the best dad and the best entrepreneur and the best, you can just be growing and manifesting what's possible now. You know, it's hard to be in that space though, especially mm-hmm. when you're in the head. Yeah. I think the thing that popped up for me when you guys were having that conversation is that um, I also need to remember that, and it sounds ridiculous that I need to remember this, but everybody has their own triggers that they're dealing with, right? Like I, I, you know, we're sitting here talking about my shame as a dad and as a provider and, and all of that. But I can remember uh, when Finn was five, first day of kindergarten and Ashley is a teacher. So she had to go to work. And so she, as a mom, wasn't at school for her son's first day of school, which right or wrong in our society is more traditionally it's the moms that are there for the first day of school because the dads are off working. And I can remember her being super upset by that. And the fact that she has missed every first day of school that he's had, but I have the conversation, like you're saying, Charlie, I have the compassion to have that conversation with her and say, you know, we're not living by the norms that other people are you're at work. I took him to school. That's not a big deal. So I can, like you said, I can have that conversation the other way, but I have troubles having it with myself. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then the other thing that really stuck off is when you said, you know, we have to realize that we can't be the best at everything all the time. And it is a tough place to be, uh, especially because I think most people who become entrepreneurs are probably have at least a little bit of an overachiever in them. Uh, you know, or a desire to be the best at something or they, you know, they're putting themselves at risk with their creativity. And I mean, when you're sharing your creativity and being that vulnerable, if you don't think it's your best work, um, that can be super tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, whether it's parents or whether, you know, whoever it is, I just want to pull back Dan Pink's drive with the autonomy, mastery and purpose, right? And that mess, that mastery is like doing the best work that you can and being the best at that. Right. And that tugs at us so much. Um, and I think the challenges and, and opportunities of, of child rearing tug at them in different ways, right? You may not have the time and focus to have mastery at a certain 
level that you might otherwise, but you also have this other rich part of your life. You have the purpose and you have those types of things. And so not saying it has to be a trade-off, but I think sometimes the emotional experience is that it's a trade-off, right? Right. Uh, You amplify purpose, you decrease mastery, right? You increase mastery, um, then maybe, you know, autonomy or purpose falls away. So yeah, it's, it's always that constant challenge. And um, the thing that most parents report back to me is that because kids are so different, you never actually get any sense of mastery of, of being a good parent because <laughs> it's always changing, right? It's always changing. There's a new relationship. There's a new thing going on. Now they're at school and then this happened. And then all of a sudden you're like, just, um, you feel like you're just, you know, learning to play the violin while you're ice skating. Right. And it's just yeah. like, I don't know what's going on here. Well, I think those super tough days are the days where you blow every single roll. <laughs> so you mess up with whatever you were doing for your business and then your kid comes home and you're grumpy and you blow that relationship. And then your wife comes home, you know, and you blow that. And even if you're not a dad, right, there's those days where you mess up almost every task you have and almost every relationship you have. And those are the days where you just, you hit real low. And those are the days for me where that number pops up and I start going through kind of my shame process and, and working through it, you know, cause those are the, those are the low days and we all have them, but. Yeah. Yeah. I have them and I don't have the, the dad dimension, right. Where it's like, well, um, didn't exactly nail it with my clients that day. Didn't exactly nail it with my creativity that day. <laughs> wasn't exactly a good team leader that day. Um, and then I was not my best version of a human with Angela after that. <laughs> so can I get a redo maybe? Um, but tomorrow, I, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's why I go to bed early guys. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to live this whole experience over again. I'm going to bed and I've got tomorrow to work on it. Um, so there I am at 4:45 in the morning. Like, okay, I'm going to early jump on this tomorrow. Um, you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, well, you talk about going, going to bed and I'm, I'm trying to see where this fits in. Right. Because like Emerson last couple of weeks, 11 PM. And I'm like hearing parents like seven 30, my kid goes to bed. So it's like, there's a, Oh, I better not share this. <laughs> I better not share this. Uh, there's running into parents. And uh, I found here where I work, at least when I first started, I'll have conversations with people and they won't say the pain that they have with, with being a parent. And I, and I'll be the one that pull it out. I'm like, uh-uh. You have a what? A two or three year old? No, no. Or there is, it's such a great age. Mm. <laughs> Not at 11 PM. It isn't. Not at 11 PM when I'm trying to sleep so I can get up at four 30 so I can go work out in the morning. That's not a beautiful age. So, so there's this, you know, I almost feels like it's not safe. It's not safe to have the conversation. I'm like, no, we need to start a club. <laughs> you yeah. know, we need to start a club because we need the support and we need to be able to talk about this, you know, this stuff. No need to, um, yeah, I think it falls in, into, the, into those structured roles. Um, being a parent is supposed to be, I love my kid and everything is going great. They go to bed at 730. Um, you know, I'm like, no, it's much mess. It's much messier than that. Yeah. The sooner you can embrace it, the, uh, the better off you'll be. And I think Mike, that's, that's the thing, right? We, we need to talk more about that stuff and not just as dads, but as business owners, we don't talk about the down stuff and that's, what's leading to a lot of what we're talking about today, 
right? I can remember being at a party when Finn was three months old and somebody saying, oh, you know, wasn't the birth of your child beautiful? And I was like, no, it was gross. Like, it wasn't a pretty thing. And, you know, and they're like, but aren't they wonderful now? And I'm like, yeah, they're kind of boring. Like I'd like him to do something. He just kind of lies there and eats and, and other people will, you know, are judging you based on being honest about those things. And I think it's the same with business. We have this fear of being honest about our business because then no one's going to hire us if they know we're not good at business. Right. So if I admit that I'm low on clients, well, I can't tell people that because then they won't hire me to be a client or, you know, if I say I didn't have fun being a dad at the age of three, then people are going to think I'm never going to be a good dad. And so there's all these judgments that are happening, exactly like you're saying, that we just don't talk about the things that we really do need to talk about and be honest and open with. I love the, uh, I love the comparison b- between the, we have to find out a phrase to, uh, a phrase to coin, but, but kind of that not talking about stuff, both from a parent and a, a business yeah. side of it. Which I'm not sure how much we hit on the on the business side because that was a a big thing for me throughout throughout the journey, you know. Um, there's a, there's a uh, I guess you call it a phrase or a lyric from uh, Wu Tang Clan that goes "Cash rules everything around me," and I was like, after like two years of struggling and getting project work, I was like, Wu Tang got it wrong. Cash does not rule everything around me. Cash flow rules everything mm-hmm. around me, and it there was this, and it's part of why I'm in business school for real because. When I think about a lot of the online education I got, it's great. There's a lot of things I can do here where I am, and I can provide value and, and, and perspective that people are like, what? What do you mean you can use MailChimp or this or that? I, I've practiced that. But there isn't this talk about like the foundation. I mean, they're probably removing Charlie from, the, from this. <laughs> Besides Charlie, the real foundation of building a business. Is there really a need there? Do you understand some of the numbers that are going on? You know, the focus of, I can help you do this and you'll make $10,000. Let's say I did make $10,000. Okay, three months, four months. Yeah. Then what? Like, so like, that's part of why I'm, I'm here because there's this realness I want to I, I wanna work with in an entrepreneurial school of what is the need that I'm going to be able to fulfill um, because it was very, very difficult. And, and and looking at all the stuff that I've created, yeah, and I can't talk to people about that. <laughs> yeah, I create a lot of stuff. Uh, the new word I learned is viable. You know, like is it actually a business? <laughs> Damn it! I created tons of stuff that I'm not so sure they were businesses. They're stuff. They generated some money for me, but I don't know what my business is. You know, so. There it is. Live on air, people. <laughs> live, live, live on air. I appreciate hey, edit that. that. Edit that. <laughs> Dude, Charlie, you got to pull that out. You got to pull that out. I mean, I think it's, it's, we've all talked about this in different ways, which is Mike alluded to it. I, I, um, foundational stuff is not something that people wake up in the morning. Like, I really need to know how to read my business financials. Like, that's not the pain people feel, right? And it's not the pain we're educating, right? We're not educating that they need to do that. We're like, you need to go get more clients and make more money. And so what, right? At what cost for what purpose and how does that money power the business and is it viable? All those types of things, much harder questions. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep it roughly on topic. I know Jeremy talks a lot about this. The thing about it is, is I think sometimes we're not having those questions because we don't want the answer. Or excuse mm-hmm. me, we're not embracing those questions because we really don't want the answer, mm-hmm. right? And it's easier to talk about other things. It's easier to talk about revenue than it is to talk about profit. Because when you talk about profit, 
And by the way, you include what you're paying yourself before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then all of a sudden uncomfortable conversations start popping up and people like it's hard. So rather than talking about that, we're going to go talk about the next new best marketing thing. Yeah. Um, And end up with the same problem. Now that's a mini riff there, but I think it's, a, a fractal like Jeremy mentioned earlier of like, we, we do this in our, um, in our relationships, whether they're parental relationships or, 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 you know, spousal relationships, whether these uncomfortable things that we don't like the answer to the question. So we don't, so we don't question. Right. And, you know, I know my yeah. thing where I, where I had to be in a position is like, I don't know how comfortable I am with being the person who's not the breadwinner. I just don't know how I'm going to feel about that. So I'm not going to ask that question. We're not going to talk about that. Mm. And what that means three or four layers under that, why is so much of my identity attached to accomplishment and, you know, competency and, you know, um, that type of thing. I didn't want to talk about that. Let's, um, yeah, let's talk about the flower beds because it's a way your conversation. Well, the other part for me specifically, and I don't know if, if, other people, I'm sure other people somewhere feel this, but I have the other side too, where sometimes I get in a panic that if I do build a successful business, I'm not going to be as good of a dad. Mm -hmm. So I've got it from both ends, right? It's like the business isn't working, so I'm not a good provider. But if the business takes off and gets too busy and too successful, then I won't be a good dad and a good husband because I'll be that guy that's working all the time. And so I avoid that question. And, and, you know, working with you, Charlie, you know, sometimes I, I undermine myself by not following through on a thread that probably would have been really good for my business because I'm avoiding that scenario. Um, even so, so, you know, I've, I guess the pain of that scenario maybe is scarier than the pain of my current scenario uh, somewhere in my messed up convoluted brain. Uh, and so you're right. We do just avoid those questions. We kind of stick with with what we're doing and just kind of hope something's going to happen yeah and by the way i see that a lot a lot that very thing with a lot of my uh, moms who are Mm. entrepreneurs is they're like well if i do x my business my business is going to go and it's going to need a lot more of me and i won't be able to do this thing with my kids and you know and so they end up not doing that thing and like i've said in i guess all cases when you when you set the game up so that if you win, you lose. <laughs> if you lose, you lose. What you're going to do is shoot for this kind of in-between mediocrity where you're neither really winning, but you're also not losing, right? You're just kind of in that spot because no one really at a certain point blames us for being in that middle spot. No one mediocre, no one's like, you know, you know pointing fingers. They're like, you're trying. Like, I don't get what you're trying to do. But if we fail then yeah, we get blamed, right? When mm-hmm. we have all the shame waves and everything like that. But if we succeed, then we also, the story goes, the story goes. Then we also give up something important too. So we shoot for the middle, right? Yeah. We shoot for that middle ground to where it's just enough to, to count as winning, but not so much that it makes us alter our relationships or how we show up in the world. Yeah. That's deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> no it is it, it, it really 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 is now you got me questioning everything well my job is done here today then <laughs> if I have people questioning everything, then that's where it is you know i think that's a, a a good wrapping point what i what i wanted to sort of pull back up is um just understanding 
um, that every um, everyone's going to have different shame triggers and, and things like that, which is what Jeremy pulled in here, right? And um, that's how you solve those particular challenges, right? It's going to be very dynamic and fluid based upon the life cycle of your kid, based upon where you are with different things. But what I at least wanted to put on the table was um, it's, for lack of better words, it's normal. I hate using the word normal, but I'll say it in this case. I'll say common. I like common better. It's common for people to have tension um, with their changing identities and responsibilities and expectations as they go into the process of being a parent. Um, and as they go, you know, as they alter their business and their entrepreneurial efforts to match that in different projects, that's a normal part of the journey. And um, because we're talking about dadhood here and fatherhood here, it's also a normal part of the journey for dads to have that space, right? To have that's going on. And so, um, as much as I don't want to go into any sort of advice making place, right? Because there's enough of that. What I will slide is finding your way of processing and discuss processing and discussing and, and embracing some of those questions is probably a better way to go than not asking the question in the first place. Um, Mike, Jeremy, what, do, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Oh, I feel like it's cover. It's really just do you, you know, it's, it's do you, it's, it's do you, it's, 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 it's growth mindset. Every day is only 24 hours long. Learn something, uh, seek help. And, um, that's it. Like you really, you, you can do it, whatever that it is, you can, you can do it moment by moment and just know that. You know, to quote that famous singer, Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> cool. Uh, it's so funny. I had the Annie quote in my head too. Uh, I think that the, the last thing I would say specifically to the dads um, is you're modeling something unique and amazing for your kids, whether it's working or not. If it's working, you're modeling success. If it's not working, you're modeling falling down and pulling yourself back up. You're modeling how to have complicated relationships. You're modeling doing the best you can. There's so many things that even when you don't think it's going right, that you're still showing your kids and building that relationship with your kids that I think overall, you know, we, we have to remember as dads that, that we are bringing value even in our failures. I guess air quotes don't show up on, on audio. Uh, but you know, we're, we're still showing them things and we're teaching them things and, and we're making a difference in their lives. And, uh, and we need to remember that. Mike, Jeremy, I so appreciate you guys showing up and being real and having the conversation and, and, and talking about the journey. It's, it's um, I'm, I'm honored to witness it. And I hope that listeners out there, um, take some gems from it and, and um, that it helps them along the path too. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. If you're digging the creative giant show, I'd really appreciate it. If you leave a rating or review on iTunes, if you're not familiar with how to do this, there's a walkthrough available on the podcast page on productiveflourishing.com. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.